Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Peninsula Church of Christ, located at 502 Woodland Road in Hampton, Virginia. We are so glad that you have chosen this time to study the Word of God, and it is our prayer that this sermon will be a blessing to your soul. You can find more information about the congregation, including our service times and full contact information, online at www.peninsulacofc.org. That is P-E-N-I-N-S-U-L-A-C-O-F-C dot org. If the sermon prompts questions in your mind, please reach out to us. Keep listening after the sermon for more information. And now, a sermon from the Peninsula Church of Christ. We are blessed to be able to be together again on the Lord's Day, aren't we? Be with God's people to be able to study together, to worship together. It is a tremendous, tremendous blessing. And the work is progressing here. Lord willing, in the next couple of weeks, this building, uh, this section will be drywalled. And uh, we can uh, enjoy what comes with that and the progress that's being made. And we're thankful to so many who have helped to make it possible. We're also closing in very quickly on a, another marker in the life of this congregation together as one. Uh, in August, it will have been a year since we ordained shepherds to oversee the work of the Lord's people here at this congregation. And I'm thankful for these men that we have. One of them's not with us today. He's up Boston way. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll look forward to Glenn when he comes back. He's hard to miss when he's here. So y'all probably already noticed that, that he was gone. And you can tell him that I said that, Chris and Ron. It's all right. You know, sometimes... We can get easily distracted, can't we? Easily distracted. I, I'm one of those people, I don't know about you, I'm one of those people that gets easily distracted by minutia. Are you one of those? You know, someone who can get tied up in the small things and spend so much time looking at that, that little thing that you can forget about the bigger picture. Get distracted by minutia. Brother Kevin's over there gritted ear to ear at me. He and I are a lot alike in this regard. You know, it's so easy for me to do. And sometimes Patricia will kind of smack me in the back of the head in essence, not quite literally, but figuratively speaking, though I might need it sometimes literally. And she'll correct me a little bit. She'll say, honey, don't worry about that small thing. Said, you're missing the bigger picture. Sometimes the big picture is hard to see though, isn't it? You know, sometimes the little things, they, they seem like the things that catch our attention. It's that little drip of water in the sink that eventually drives us crazy, right? There's that small little thing, but, but once our attention is focused on it, we can't see, we can't think, we can't focus on anything else. And that distraction can be dangerous, can't it? You know, sometimes in life, getting distracted by the small things, the minutia, it can actually cause us to get off the track that we're supposed to be on, get off the path that, that we ought to be traveling because we get distracted with something that really isn't that important. In the whole scheme of things some things just frankly don't matter that much and some things matter but they're not things that should matter for me to be doing you know there are things that ought not to have my attention perhaps because maybe that's not my role maybe that is not my place this morning's sermon is titled serving tables question mark should elders be serving tables now i want to remind us as we're approaching this time of of a year nearly since we've had the elders installed of what their work is about and what our work is about because sometimes we get to thinking that maybe because we don't see them doing some of the things we think they ought to be doing that maybe they're not doing 
what they should be. And yet maybe the point is that they're not distracted. That they're not bogged down in the minutia. That they're doing what they ought to be doing. And letting other people tend to the minutia. Let's start this morning in Acts chapter 6. And let's talk about distraction. Because the apostles are brought a distraction in this text, aren't they? Something that could take them from the more important work that they have been given. Now, when you look at this text... There's an issue in the church. Brother Ron read it for us just a moment ago. There's an issue in the text. You've got the Hellenists and, and you've got the Hebrews. So basically you've got the Jews who have converted to a lifestyle that is more Grecian. And you've got the Jews who have stayed with a more traditional lifestyle of the ancient Hebrews. And these two ways of thinking, these two ways of life have come into conflict within Judaism. And yet when the gospel began to be preached, the church ended up having both the Hellenists, the, the Grecian Jews, as well as the Hebrew, the traditional practicing Jews. And so here they are with each other. And understand, they brought their frustrations from outside of the kingdom into the kingdom. They brought the problems they were having before they ever obeyed the gospel into the church with them. And that's what preempts what we see here. Now in these days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. It seems that somebody was playing favorites. Ought not to happen in the kingdom, but hey, things happen nonetheless. And when they do, they have to be dealt with, don't they? They need to be handled. But I want you to notice what the twelve said. The twelve summons the multitude. So they get the congregation, they get the Lord's people together. And they say to them, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve Tables. Do you see what they say? Say, it is not appropriate. It's not what it ought to be for us to leave the word of God. They're the ones preaching, teaching. They're the ones who are inspired by God. They, they're the apostles. They're the direct representatives and ambassadors of Christ. They ought not be busy serving tables. That's what they're saying. We can't get distracted by this work. It's not that it is not a good work. It's that it's not their work said we shouldn't get distracted by this work to leave the work that we've been called to do. Now think about what Jesus told them. Go back to Acts chapter 1 for just a moment. And think about the question that they ask here and what the Lord said. You know, they want to know, Lord, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Right? That's, that's what they want to know. And Jesus' response to them is telling. He says, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Acts 1 and verse 7. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Their job was to bear witness to Christ. That is what Jesus said they were going to be about. The apostles had a work to be doing. And that work was not serving tables. They said, we understand this needs to be addressed, but we're not the ones to do the work. It's a distraction for us. We have a more important work. So does that mean they left it undone? No. They did something that people have been doing for millennia and millennia. A wise thing. They delegated. They found individuals who were capable of doing the work and gave it to them. Go back to Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. They say it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Pick up at verse 3. Therefore, brethren, Seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. I know they didn't even go find them. They told the brethren to find them. They said, you do this work. Find seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, 
but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They said, we won't get distracted. You go find the men who are capable of doing the work. Bring them to us. We will empower them. We'll give them the authority to do the work. We'll appoint them over it. But we're not going to leave prayer in the ministry of the work. This is our work. This is what Jesus has given us to do. Let's give this other work to somebody else who can do it just as well, if in many ways not better. Because they're not going to be trying to balance the work role of being witnesses of Christ while trying to tend to tables. Nobody can do everything, can they? Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 12? We're all baptized into one body, right? But in that one body, there are a variety of members each fulfilling their role and doing their part. We studied that earlier this year. If we're members of the Lord's body, what we've got to expect is that everybody has their role. The elders have their role. The preacher has his role. The deacons have their role. And the rest of the membership, man and woman alike, brother and sister alike, have their role in the work of the kingdom. They have somewhere they can serve, somewhere they can do. And when we think about the work of the elders, we need to be mindful. They don't need to be distracted. Like the apostles, they have a God-ordained work they're supposed to be doing. And they ought to not be busy serving tables. They don't need to be busy counting the money. There's good and faithful men who can do that work. They don't need to be busy running around tending to the construction site. There's a good and faithful brother who can do that work. They don't need to be busy tending to all these other things because they're good and faithful brethren who can do the work instead of taking them away from their primary focus. So sometimes we might look and say, well, they're not doing this or they're not doing that. They don't have to be doing all that. Same thing can be said of the deacon. Same thing can be said of the preacher. It's not any one brother or sister's job to do everything in the congregation. It's the work of the congregation to do the work of the congregation. And they need not get distracted. So we see the power of distraction and we see how the apostles turn it back and say, no, we're not going to be distracted. But when there's distraction and when one gets caught up doing the minutiae and focusing on things that one ought not to be, it brings about destruction. Destruction of the individual and the people who expect them to do the work. Turn to Exodus chapter 18. So we have the distraction of Acts 6, but then the destruction of Exodus 18. In Exodus 18, we find Moses. And man, you got to love this, love this brother. He's trying to do everything for Israel, isn't he? He's trying to be the lawgiver, the prophet, the judge. He's trying to do everything. To put it in modern terms, he's trying to be all three branches of the government, right? He's, he's trying to do all of it as himself. He's the legislative, he's the judiciary, and he's the executive, right? He's trying to do everything. Now, nobody can do that, right? I mean, this nation coming out of Israel, they number in the millions, it's coming out of Egypt. There's no way Israel coming out of Egypt, numbering in the millions. One man can do all that, right? But that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to judge amongst this entire nation. Man, sometimes I struggle just to judge amongst three kids. <laughs> he's trying to do an entire nation who is sometimes acting like they're just a bunch of kids, right? And notice what his father-in-law Jethro does. His father-in-law comes back and he brings his wife and all back. And if you're not familiar with why that happens, just go a little bit earlier in the book of Exodus and, and read about it. You'll, you'll see exactly why his wife left and everything that transpired there. But Jethro comes and he sees what Moses is doing. Start reading with me, if you will, at verse 13. And so it was on the next day that Moses set to judge the people and the people stood before Moses from morning until lunch break? Until evening, right? Morning until evening. Sun's up, he's judging. Sun's going down, he's judging. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you're doing for the people? 
Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? What Moses, what are you thinking? Right? That, that's in essence what he's saying. What are you thinking doing this? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one and another and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. It's not wise. It's not appropriate. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. He says, Moses, you're going to become exhausted and the people are going to become frustrated. Because there's no way you can handle everything that's going to come up. So you're just going to wear out. And the people aren't going to be able to get their situation handled. So they're... This isn't a win for anybody, is it? It's going to destroy everybody. The people and Moses. He says, for this thing is too much too for you. You're not able to form it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I'll give you counsel. God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people, able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all the people also go to their place in peace. There's wisdom there, isn't there? He says, Moses, you can't do it all. Find some men who can handle these things that aren't as significant. Sounds a lot like what happens in Acts 6, doesn't it? It says, Moses, if there's a great matter, if there's some real situation that's a matter of life and death and the law or not, and whether God has declared this to be or not, then then bring that to you. But in these small matters of judgment between individual people, and we know the kinds of things people get upset with each other over, don't we? I, I mean, we, we have relationships with folks. We've had times where, where we couldn't see eye to eye. We've read enough news stories, seen enough news reporting to know sometimes people, people get upset with each other over the dumbest things, right? Remember years ago, the, the person who sued McDonald's over the hot cup of, cup of coffee they put in their lap and won. And you're sitting there like, what in the world? It's coffee. It's meant to be hot. Unless it has iced before the name, you know it is going to be steaming. How many of y'all want to be served a lukewarm cup of coffee at a restaurant? I mean, come on. A couple of kids are raising their hands. They're like, that way I can drink it. But no one else wants that, right? You know, my coffee starts to get lukewarm on the table. I'm like, oh, man. I should have drunk it while it was hot. And then I might go pop it in the microwave, warm it up just a little bit, right? Just a little bit. It's like, no, you are. It's like, Moses doesn't need to be judging that matter, right? That, that, that kind of thing's foolish, and yet we know how people are. In fact, we've probably been guilty of that, haven't we? You ever been guilty of making a mountain out of a molehill? You ever done that? Yes, yes. Go ahead. You've got to be honest. And Brother Chris says, just tell the truth. Make you feel better. We've all done that. And that's Jethro's advice to, to his son-in-law. He says, Moses, don't be foolish. You're killing yourself. And it's bringing harm to the people. You've got to do better. You stand. You teach. You declare the judgments of God. Moses, you be the lawgiver. And let them deal with the small things. Much like the apostles who said, we need to tend to prayer and to the ministry of the word. 
Let these small things be dealt with by men who are capable of dealing with them. You see, when a man or a woman, when they're given a work of God to be distracted from that good work they have to be doing, it doesn't do anyone good. In fact, Exodus 18 tells us it brings destruction because it's going to wear them out and ultimately it's going to wear everybody else out too because when they can't do what they need to be doing, then everyone else is going to suffer with them. And that's true of the eldership. They can't tend to everything under the sun and they shouldn't be expected to because the work they have is already demanding. And that's the third point. We can see the distraction in Acts 6. We can see the destruction that could come in Exodus 18. But I want you to see the work that is already demanding. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. Now in 1 Peter 5, their work is described for us as those who shepherd, oversee, those who serve as examples. Peter says this, the elders who are among you, I exhort. I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory, that does not fade away. You see what they're told to do? They're told to shepherd, to feed, to tend to the flock. They're told to oversee the flock. They're told that the flock has been entrusted into their hands, which means the care for the sheep in that congregation. It's their responsibility now. And so they lead by example. They serve and they do and they love by the work that they do. They have a demanding work. Our souls, brothers and sisters, members of this congregation, have been entrusted into these men's hands. Can you imagine the weight of that? To feel the responsibility for the souls of dozens of God's children to feel the weight of the responsibility for ensuring that they're fed well, that they're watched after, that if one starts straying, that, that, they, that they're gone after, to constantly be aware of what's going on in the congregation to ensure that the flock is tended to well. Now, they can't do that work and everything else under the sun because that work alone is demanding. That work alone is in so many ways a 24-7 occupation of the mind, the heart, and the soul, as well as the time and the body. It's a demanding work. Look at Acts 20 and verse 28, where this is again emphasized by the Apostle Paul. Whereas Peter is writing more generally, it seems, to a larger group of churches, so many elderships and many congregations would be receiving that note. Paul in Acts 20 is speaking intimately with a single eldership, isn't he? He's speaking with the elders of the church at Ephesus. And he says to them at verse 28, if you don't believe it's the church of Ephesus, go back to verse 17 and you'll see. But in verse 28, he says to them, Therefore take heed to yourselves and all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, among which, so you're in this flock, and from among that flock, the Holy Spirit has lifted you in a sense out 
to be the overseers, the ones who look over, the ones who watch over this congregation, but not just to oversee them, but to shepherd, to feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Paul says, hey, elders, you know the church that Jesus bled for and died for? He's giving you the responsibility to attend to it. Now, if these men have any appreciation for the sacrifice of Christ, I'm talking about the men here, the elders at Ephesus, and I know our brothers who serve as our elders do, then think about the weight of what has just been said to them. Jesus died for this church, and it's your job to take care of it. Now, that is a demanding responsibility, isn't it? That's the work that they have been given. Much like Jesus said to the apostles in Acts 1, you're to be witnesses to me. He has said to the shepherds, you're to tend the flock. You are to care for the flock. What if they're too busy with the minutia, too distracted with the budget and with numbers to do the work that they need to be doing? What do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen to the flock? Let me point you to a text. Let's look at Matthew chapter 18 for a moment. Because what Jesus says here is telling to us. When you look at the scribes and the Pharisees, they were too busy tending to the minutia, weren't they? They were too busy worried about the small things, tithing of mint and cumin and all this. They were busy with the stuff that while it needed to be done, ultimately didn't have the same concern as mercy and justice in these things. Much like the work of the congregation. It's much needs to be done, but there are some things that are big things that are in their hands that have to be done and can only be done well by them. Look at Matthew 18 and what Jesus says to those leaders amongst the people and what they should have been tending to. He says, what do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety and nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Jesus is receiving a lot of pushback from these folks who are worried about their position and their power and and these arguments of the law, and they, they forgot to tend to the people. They forgot to tend to the souls of Israel. And when Jesus comes tending to the sinners, to the souls of the people, they're criticizing him. And they're saying, what are you doing amongst them? And Jesus says, hold on, hold on, hold on. You've forgotten what it's really about. He says, the 90 and 9 who are safe, they don't need to be worried about. It. They're safe right now. But the one who is straying, God doesn't will that that will be lost. So if God doesn't will it be lost, what does God will? God wills that that sheep be rescued. God wills that that sheep be saved. The Pharisees and scribes had forgotten to care for the one that was lost. And Jesus says, God wants that one cared for. When we think about the responsibility of elders and their responsibility to shepherd our souls, they've got a responsibility to be mindful of all the ones on the fringe of the flock who are starting to wander, who are starting to stray, who are struggling, they need their attention. They need their help. Yes, they're responsible for the full oversight of the congregation, 
But that doesn't mean they have to do it all. That means they find good men who can do that work so they can watch after that one that God doesn't want to be lost. So they can go and tend to this matter that needs to be tended to. Much of what an eldership does, this congregation will never ever see. You won't see it with your eyes. You just won't. Because it's going to be happening in the living rooms of so many. It's going to be happening in those quiet meetings and moments where they're gathering and discussing. It's going to be happening as they tend to the souls of men out of the sight of the rest of us. They're not going to get up here, brethren, and say, this week we visited with this erring member and that erring member and studied with this one and tried to encourage that one. This one came to us who's really having a difficult time in their life and this is what's going on with them and this is how we took care of them. They're not going to do that. And they shouldn't. That's not their work. Their work is to shepherd the souls of this church and of this congregation. And as the congregation, we need to remember our elders don't need to be busy serving tables. They need to be busy shepherding souls. Now, they stand out in front of you and they do the announcements. And they receive those who come forward as the shepherds of their souls. And they do these things that are out before the church. And I'm thankful that they do that. But much of what they do will never be known. It doesn't need to be. You know why? Because they're men of humility. Not of pride. Wasn't that one of the qualifications? They couldn't be men puffed up with pride. So they're not going to brag. They're not going to talk about it. They're just going to do the good work of the kingdom. And we need to be thankful for that. Which means if they're not going to be busy serving tables because they ought not be, you know who does need to be busy serving tables? The rest of us. The rest of us need to be busy serving the tables. We need to be busy doing the minutia that keeps the congregation going so that they can focus on the things they need to focus on. They can make the decisions that they need to make. And whether or not we always agree with them, we need to submit and we need to go with them. Because they're watching for our souls. They have a demanding task. And if they get distracted, it's going to be to our destruction. So let them do their demanding work and let us do all those little things that have to be done around the congregation. Brethren, don't forget the words of Hebrews 13 and verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Don't ever forget that when these brothers stand before God in judgment, they have to give account for us as those responsible to watch out for us. And so some advice is given. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. In other words, don't let the accounting be something where they have to account for all the trouble that you've caused. Because that won't be to your benefit in the end. As God's people with godly men shepherding us, we need to simply submit. We need to follow their lead. We need to pray for them. We need to be thankful to them. And we need to make it a joy for them to serve as our elders. And when we don't see them Managing the minutia, you know what we need to do? We need to be thankful. 
We need to be thankful that they found faithful men and faithful women in the congregation who can handle those things, those tasks that have to be done, but that they ought not to be doing. Because that means they're showing wisdom. That means that they are spending their time focusing on that which matters. Letting the body do the rest. Now, I jokingly told Patricia this morning, I had not told the elders I was preaching this. I wanted them to have plausible deniability. <laughs> they didn't ask for this sermon. It was my choice to preach it. Because I want us to be reminded of how blessed we are to have an eldership. Folks, I've been here 15 years as of the 27th. The first 14 plus, we did not have elders. I can't tell you how much got dropped on my doorstep because I was the preacher, because I was the face of the congregation. So people have problems, they came to me. People had issues that they needed to deal with, they came to me. Whether or not it was anything I should be dealing with or knowing about, they came to me. And so I was the shepherd of their souls. And while we ought to be able to tend to each other and help each other and encourage each other, there were things brought to my doorstep I wasn't equipped to deal with. <coughs> they really needed more than me. I'm thankful we have men to manage those things. And I can tell you in the last year, my doorstep has stayed often quite empty from those kinds of things. Because those brothers have dealt with it. It was a running joke for a while. You really enjoy having an eldership, don't you? And I'd always tell them, yes, I do. And I still do. But I'm thankful for what we have as one congregation worshiping our one God with this one eldership of these three godly men leading us. Brethren, I encourage you to be thankful in prayer, in attitude, and in action toward and for these three. And I encourage us as a congregation to do the minutia. Let's be the body we've been called to be. Whether you're a little toe or something else, just do the work that God has placed before us as the people to do. And when the eldership comes forward, and they have on occasion, haven't they? And said, we have this work, we have this need, we need help here. Let's not look around the room. See who's going to raise their hand first. If we're able, let's be the first one to jump in line to do the work. Let's make it so that when these things need to be dealt with and the elders come to us with it, they have to start turning people away because <laughs> there are so many brethren eager to serve in the kingdom. Let's be a blessing to them and let them be a blessing to us as they do the work. So should our elders be serving tables? No, no, no. They've got our souls to watch after. Let's let them do that work. And you and I, we can take care of the tables, can't we? We can take care of the tables. Brother and sister, if you are struggling in your faith and, and struggling to do the work of the kingdom, and you need some help, if you haven't come to these men and let them know 
If you haven't acknowledged for the church perhaps sin that is in the way that needs to be confessed, do that. Don't stand on the sidelines wallowing in whatever situation you found yourself in. Take a step toward the Lord. Come to His people. There's help to be found. And to the one who's perhaps here this morning and has never obeyed the gospel of Christ, my friend, now is as good a time as any. In fact, now is a great time because you don't know if you'll have another. Life is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. The years pass quickly. The days, they fall quiet as the end draws nigh. But God is good. And in his mercy and long suffering, you still have this moment to obey the gospel. And so if you have studied and you have prepared yourself, you know what it is that God desires of you. Then this morning, respond in repentance, confession, and immersion for the remission of your sins. But if you're sitting out there this morning, you say, I don't know what God would have of me to do. You, I don't know how God would have me obey the gospel. Then come and let us know. All you have to say is, I need to know what God would have me to do. And I guarantee you, we have brothers and sisters throughout this congregation, certainly including our elders, who know how to open up that book. The Word of God, the Bible itself, at a table and teach so that you can know what it is God requires of you. The sermon is yours. The invitation is offered. We, we pray that if you have need, you'll respond. And I pray that this congregation, though we might all not need to respond to the invitation, this congregation, we will be busy serving the tables so that our shepherds can do the work of watching for our souls. If you need to respond, do so. As we stand and sing to encourage you to come forward. We hope that the sermon challenged you and encouraged you in your walk with God. Now that you have listened, we invite you to join us for Bible class on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. or for worship at 10.30 a.m. Further service times can be found on our website. If you would like to study the Bible further, have questions, or just want to send in a prayer request, please call us at 757-848-1120, email us at info, I-N-F-O, at PeninsulaCofc.org or fill out the contact form on our website at PeninsulaCofc.org. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe and rate us in iTunes or on your favorite podcast player to keep up with future sermons. May God bless you.